Hello and welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show presented by the Striker Texas. In this episode, we'll be talking over FC Dallas's 3-1 loss on the road to San Jose, as well as taking a look ahead to Saturday's match against Portland. I'm Dustin Nation, and we've got uh, an almost full house. Here with us is uh, the man whose name I'm officially giving up hope of ever pronouncing. It's Jonathan Roz. Greetings, Jonathan. Hey, Dustin. Um, I'm just sitting here uh, in my media room. Uh, I've I've uh, officially joined the North Texas undefeated uh, you know bandwagon. So I've got my North Texas SC shirt on. Uh, that's what, that's what we're doing today, right? We're doing North Texas talk. I mean, it might be a little more fun. Um, so we'll, let's let's get some of that in there. But I, I think we owe it to ourselves to um, you know rel- relive a little bit of of the San Jose game. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, also with us today is uh, a man who is awakening from a Texas Cup hangover. It's Nico Mendez. Are, are you awake, Nico? I, I think sunburn is more like more like it than hangover. But I'm here. Wait, 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 wait! wait. Stop, stop down, Nico. You you got a sunburn because he was there eleven and a half hours. And, and and I was asking him if he brought sunscreen. He's like, no, no, I don't. I don't sunburn. No, I don't have a sunburn. It just felt like oh, the most appropriate. You thing just over a hangover. <laughs> that, that is that that is more appropriate for a, for a youth tournament, right? That's yeah, as a good. No. Well, I mean, you can get soccer drunk, I guess, right? There is a big uh, security and police presence, so no risks. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> before we get into FC Dallas's match against San Jose, uh, l- there are were a couple news news items in the time uh, since we've last spoken. Jonathan, you want to run us through a couple of them? Yeah, probably the biggest piece of news from uh, FC Dallas perspective was they they did pick up a uh, an international spot. I believe it was from was it from Toronto? I don't know. It was two hundred fifty k when. Uh, uh, Zanata was on a few weeks ago, right? Uh, he was talking about a winger that came, and then when it, we, we we contemplated where they were going to get a international spot, which quickly cleared up when uh, when Santos left. Uh, but apparently, FC Dallas is not done with making moves, uh, so they've they've opened up that uh, they've opened up another international slot, whether it could be filled, you know, during this during this. Uh, trade window which is open or uh, transfer window which is open until i think the beginning of june or the summer one which opens like a few weeks after that uh <laughs> is 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 tbd but uh maybe they're just keeping their options open i don't know like it's an expensive expensive option but it's it's, it's fake money man it's 250 yeah, it's, it's 250k of, of of garber bucks um but it's i mean it to, to me uh What's interesting to think about is is really you know what's for for this team and the shape that it is, and I'll happy to get you guys' inputs as well. You know what's the what's the best use for that? And so, um, I mean, it, from from a from a formation pers- or sorry, from a position perspective, right? I think that there's a couple of areas that are are fairly obvious gaps. Uh, I think that that FC Dallas needs from a depth perspective, um, but maybe I'll, I'll throw it to you. First, Dustin, you know, just knowing, you know, here, here you are, you've got your GM hat on, you're Andre Zanata, you're, uh, you're wheeling and dealing, you've got your international spot. What are you, what are you looking to feel? Uh, I think it's gotta be, uh, a center defensive mid, somebody in there to come in and, and, uh, fill that hole. Um, if it's not that, then perhaps 
you've you need cover on the outside backs um maybe somebody to come in maybe somebody on loan uh to come in and and uh you know be a a backup to hauling said or i mean i feel like that they those are the only two think places that i can think of that aren't kind of log jammed at the moment with talent they've already brought in Nico's smiling, so uh, you've you've got a hot a hot take on this. Nico? No, it's uh, Dustin took mine yet again. <laughs> I was definitely going to say the, the center <laughs> midfield. Um, for yeah, sure. I, yeah, I do think that yeah, those are the, the two obvious the two obvious spots. I think we've seen uh, that you know when Lucci's been playing this three man back line in both cases after the match, he's talked about. Um, making cho- making choices based on the personnel available, right? Which he, between the lines just means uh, he's not comfortable with what he's got from a defensive midfielder perspective, right? So uh, that that feels like the most obvious one. But I, Dustin, I'm, I kind of lean more towards the second one, which is uh, honestly, I don't think is a, is a, a backup for Ryan. I think it is, uh, I think having a, a right, uh, right outside back to replace Ryan on the right so that he can move back to the left where I think he plays a lot better. That that feels more like uh, if I'm Andre Zanata and I'm looking for a spot to feel, that's the other place I'm looking. No, I mean, I could see that happening. And you kind of wonders, you kind of wonder about um, Jimmy Nelson. Sorry. Yeah. Nelson. Johnny Nelson. Johnny yeah. Nelson. There we go. Good gracious. Uh you got it kind of makes you wonder about Johnny Nelson and um like his his progression the first two matches haven't been so great but I wonder if that's just the like because of the way they're asking him to play we all know he's more defensively minded uh he kind of seems left out going in going up the field um and disconnected as he goes up so the question is do they want to get somebody who's more offensive minded over there on the left and so they can have or on the right so they can move ryan over to the left i mean i could long short story long uh i could see that happening jonathan yeah and and from nelson's perspective and obviously we'll probably get into some of this during during the conversation about the the game but i feel like if they were playing a more traditional 4-3-3 what lucci normally plays then i don't i wouldn't have as much concern with with how johnny plays um, because that is much more of a defensive uh, defensive formation, right? He he can stay back more uh, and you know, probably be a bit more, a bit more comfortable because it's what they played with last year, right? More of a you know, looking for an overlapping run on the wing, um, you know, get back, build that partnership. And there's probably less of an offensive pressure on on uh, on Nelson. Yep, yep. Now the one thing we also know is. When uh, FC Dallas is looking for an international spot, they're definitely not looking within MLS for somebody to trade them a player. Uh, so there's a, an interesting stat. It was a, a, on Twitter. Uh, Daniel Robertson actually posted something that I had not even contemplated. It was uh, a, a, almost made me you know, step back and think and go through the roster. Not almost. Made me step back and go through the roster. Uh, but the, the statistic that he threw out there was that FC Dallas – um, across their entire roster has no players that played for a prior MLS team. Zero. Zero. And that's, that's, I mean, I, I haven't gone roster by roster by roster to, to compare how that is with other teams, but 
that that has to be somewhat unique. Um, what I did do was I just kind of quickly looked at it from a flip side perspective as far as like FC Dallas players that are playing for a different MLS team. Um, and just top of mind, I came up with 12 and then uh, I threw it on Twitter. People found two more that I, I forgot about Breck Shea. I guess technically he's an MLS player again, uh, his his uh, USL uh, champions. <laughs> yeah, he, he did he get picked up. Uh, and Dax was the other one that I had forgotten about. But yeah, there's 14 FC Dallas players that are playing for a different MLS team. So it's... Yeah. When you think about that, it's kind of weird that FC Dallas. I don't think it's weird. I mean, just think about the the model, right? Like the model is we're going to not spend a whole bunch of money going out and getting established folks. And we're going to go find value um, for for less, right? So that's the academy. And that's going off and finding folks who uh, to come who are kind of lesser known, not stars, um, but still, still decent to come from South America. Right. So like to me, it's not super surprising. I, I mean, if you look at the folks that are in MLS that they're bringing in, they're folks that they're having to ditch for contract reasons. Like if you look at Maxi or Rudy brought him in from, from, uh, Portland and they had to let him go because of that court, that contract he had that last year of his contract year, it was going to be, a million, he was going to get paid over a million million dollars a year, uh, and so they had to to like let the, to trade to trade him to Montreal uh, to try to get off, get that off their books. And, and I think don't think that's a unique situation. I think that uh, players who are in MLS um, kind of have a from contract wise um, a a uh, we'll we'll call it a higher. Um, value <laughs> um, in Garber bucks, <laughs> no, in salary uh, than than players who are coming in um, who may not be acclimated and may not be uh, household names in MLS yet. I, I would agree that from a you're you're more likely if you're the if you're the hunts to get a uh, an international player to come in uh, that's going to give you more kind of bang for the buck. Um, but the, I guess the flip side is, uh, you know, if you're looking at an MLS veteran employing a man, you, you kind of know what you've got. So you would think that, you know, in some places, so for example, uh, one of, uh, you know, one of the, the, you know, a death piece on the defense, like let's say a right back or, uh, an extra center back. Something like that. I think that those are the kind of things that you should be able to find, um, across the league and actually have a good understanding of how that person performs. So it's. It's unique. I do agree, Dustin. It's. I think it's more of a uh, a reflection of the philosophy of the club versus something that you know they was was purposeful. Um, but I guess just a, a another uh, another indicator. Uh, and plus, you know, makes uh, makes us have some fun pod conversations, right? We need some fun pod conversations uh, this time of year, especially um, you know after a a good old fashion backside whooping up in San Jose. Uh, you always want to pivot and talk about that? Absolutely not. <laughs> but since I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people actually, you know, tuned in to, 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 to listen to us talk about that glorious day, uh, we're going to have Nico start us off and talk about his, his thoughts. First of all, Nico, is it panic time? No, I would not say it's panic time at all. You heard you heard it here first. That's right from Nico. <laughs> they didn't exactly bathe themselves in glory, though. That's for sure. 
So, I mean, for me, um, it's discouraging. Uh, and it didn't look like there was improvement week to week from the first match to this, to this one. Um, and part of that, and it's, it's weird because I, I think that, um, I kind of, in, in my mind, I had Colorado probably the right, right around the same, like difficulty level as San Jose. Um, and it just, maybe it was a matchup thing. Maybe it was a tactic thing. I don't know. It just, I, I think that, um, it, this match was not an improvement, but I don't believe, you know, it's two matches in. Let's not, let's not be hyperbolic here. So that, so the obvious thing I think to think about, or, or people are going to jump to, is that this was again a, a, a tactical decision. This was more related to um, the three four three and FC Dallas's inability to execute in that formation. I mean, I, I know we have some audio, Dustin from from Lucci. Do we want to kind of listen to what he had to say first? Yeah, let's start there, uh, and then then we can kind of use that as a, a jumping-off point for discussion, I think. Here's Lucci uh, talking after the match about his, the formation choice. You know, the, the systems are, are there to have certain players on the field, but, but the way we want to occupy the midfield is the same no matter the system. So it's up to us to occupy those spaces uh, with the players that we have on the field. And the, like I said, I... We created, we generated chances. So if we score that first goal, maybe the game can shift and we can have a little more control and link to the middle. But, but like I, you know, like I said, we didn't, we didn't reward ourselves. And, and so then when the game opens up, we, we might see a few of that, those disconnections. Um, yeah. You saw the change of formation there at the end to, to get a number in, in the midfield and one less on the back line. Um to try to get a little bit more link, but with San Jose to their credit too, they, they, they knew how to handle that well and they, they can move the ball around well. Um, and then the extra met player in the midfield is an extra player for them to mark and press. So you gain something, you lose something. Uh, I don't, I don't see this game being won or lost in a formation or a system. I think this game was lost in moments. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I have, I have, Mixed feelings about that that statement there. I mean, I think he's kind of right in that early on there were, you know, and we we didn't really do a game recap, but uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll kind of do it as we go, I guess. Um, so like early on, F- FC Dallas pressed well. They had put a lot of pressure on. They just didn't push their chances away, um, and it. It really kind of bit them. There, were, there was some penalty drama, and you know, if, if if a penalty goes towards FC Dallas, it's a different game. There's two penalties against FC, against FC Dallas that uh, went San Jose's way, and one of them was saved. And like those, like for that for that matter, yes, those moments um, kind of kind of dictated the course of the rest of the game. But at the same time several of those plays that, that San Jose was able to like crack open FC Dallas with came through the middle and like there was nobody in, in the middle 
um, in front of the defense, right in the zone 14. They like that Cade Cowles uh, uh, pass right through the middle. Um, somebody should have been there. Every, every every soccer game comes down to moments. So yes, I think that technically Lucci was correct. And yes, if uh, if this, if that, yes, the you know FC Dallas obviously if they'd scored early on would have been a different game. But you know, they they didn't right. And what about ifs and and all that stuff? Right. <laughs> I, I don't know the exact saying that you're going for, Dustin, but. Uh, I don't either. I started talking it's, before I realized it's, what I, it's out there somewhere. Yeah. But yes, I mean, it's I, I heard I heard Lucci's statement and I was like, OK, technically you're correct. But I think in reality, if you go back and you watch that match, uh, the better team won. So the San Jose outplayed FC Dallas for the vast majority of the match outside of, you know, a few moments where FC Dallas was looked well, right at the, at the beginning. And then, you know, during kind of garbage time at the end, right. There were some, some good plays, but for the entire middle, uh, I would say that San Jose was the, was the dominant team, um, for the game. Right. I, I think it's, it's interesting, right. Cause it's, it's two games in and everyone's familiar with Lucci playing the four, three, three, right. And then this idea of Lucci ball, uh, but then kind of in these first two games, we see 3-4-3 three, three, and it's like, oh, well, what's happening and things aren't kind of going to what uh, regular viewers of FC Dallas are are, are familiar with uh, Luchi Gonzalez. So in that regard, it is a little bit concerning. But uh, if you kind of remember from last year when after the restart, uh, the very first game against Nashville SC, uh, what formation did Luchi play? The same thing, 3-4-3. Three, didn't go too well, but in the second Nashville game, he went back to that uh, 4-3-3, right? Um, and kind of just looking back on those first few games in 2020 and then to this, um, what, what is what what is a, a lot of people talking about right now? They're talking about the formation change, and that's kind of it. Um, if you remember from last year, it was, oh, a different formation, a whole bunch of new guys, the system isn't working, uh, COVID. So there is kind of a lot of things that, um, people are kind of pointing to to why why is FC Dallas not getting off to the hot start that they're expecting? Well, now we're only kind of talking about formations and tactics. So, if it kind of in that regard, it's definitely an, an improvement. But what the what's kind of concerning though is that at least to me is this new formation isn't what Luchi Gonzalez is known for, right? It's all about having this nice possession base, being able to create these nice passing comb- combinations, not only just along the back line, but within the midfield, and then to be able to get some sort of support to your forwards. And you, you're not necessarily seeing that. Yeah, it's been two games, and yeah, you also went against San Jose where it had they have that man-marking system, so that's also a very different uh, style to play against. But... um. He, he kind of brought up in the fact that um, regardless of the numbers in the midfield, we kind of still want to play our system. Um, and I, I personally think that's a little bit difficult when you only have two people and going against a man marking system. Uh, so you kind of the, the, your midfielders are already going to be outnumbered in that regard. They're always going to be having players crawling on them. Um, so w- what does that leave you? You either play long balls out the back or you go through the flanks. So, of course, we're very familiar that they go down through flanks um that's something I'll, I'll get back to but before i forget um matt hedges after the game did talk about uh 
I asked him about, hey, it looks like um, three-man backline. How do you think that's going? And also, I noticed you guys are playing a lot of long balls over the top. And he goes, yeah, when you have three three in the back um, and with those two midfielders, that we're, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for, to play these long balls out of the back. So it seems like there's already kind of some sort of uh, – just numbers disadvantage in terms of playing that midfield and looking for those wingers. And the other thing though, is when you, when, when you've got your two full, uh, fullbacks or wingbacks, however you want to categorize them, you kind of create a overload per se, uh, when you get into the final third, right? Again, uh, the, something that we talked about last time was that Javier and, um, Freddie Vargas, they're familiar with cutting in to be able to create some sort of uh, interior opportunities, which we talked about that, that you didn't really see that much in zone 14. But now you got kind of like two players playing in that wing, right? So Hollingshead is kind of overlapping a little bit with Hader. Um, and Nelson is overlapping with Freddie on the left. So uh, it, it, there's kind of little little things like that. And I, But it, it also just doesn't help that you played San Jose and they're just notorious for that men marking system. And Credit to Almeida and his team. They do a good job of executing it to force turnovers. But um, kind of in the grand scheme of things, I, it really isn't something to worry about long term. I, I'd probably gander that it's a little temporary uh, solution for future things coming on. Maybe. I, there's a lot to unpack there with what you just said. Um, I, I want to touch on a couple of those things if we don't – if we, if y'all don't mind. Um, like – I think there are plenty of other things to talk about besides the formation. Um, I think, you know, like the, the, the disconnectedness of the front line um, finishing, right. There's, there's plenty of other things to talk about things that we've um, I feel like might have been talked about previously um, in previous seasons as well. Um, So, so, I'm not certain like we're choosing to talk about the formation because in this match, it was very obvious that the, the disconnect between the the thing that set us apart from or set San Jose apart from us was our ability to actually get the ball to, to our fours and dangerous play after the, after we stopped pressing. Right. And, and part of that is because there's not as many people in the midfield. Now the, the, the point about the, um, the the man marking like well how do you beat man marking the best way is being direct in those in this, those balls um you know those those long balls over the top like hedges said um or also you know going along the flanks right there's that's the way you you can beat it but at the same time if that's the way you know if that's the way that they expect you to play then they can stop it and they did um and they they adjusted uh well for that especially in the second half uh, once they got the lead right um, I'll stop there. And I'll, I know Jonathan's always got thoughts. I mean, it just, so. t- to me, this is just more about execution. Um, and part of execution is, is on the coach and part of execution is on the players on the field. Right. And so, uh, yes, we've, we're talking a lot about, a lot about formation. We also, I think know that this is a significant turnover in personnel. So yes, we're talking about year three of, of Lucci and his system, but it's, I mean, it's it's almost another reboot, right? With the number of new personnel that have come in, and the personnel who that are still here are, are changing uh, changing formations. It's it's it's, but uh, like 
Yes, it's another reboot, but it's the same. I feel like it's the same story again and again. And the story is, how do we get our most dangerous attacking players the ball uh, in dangerous places? Cobra always suffered from a lack of service. Um, Hara can't get himself into a position um, to be dangerous uh, and can't get service when he's there. Like, do we have, do we need to go back further to other, to other uh, no, strikers? No, but uh, I think to to me the point is right now looking at the players that are available for Lucci. Um, there's there's three if you're gonna if you're gonna go through the the midfield, FC Dallas has three creative midfielders: Ricarte, who's kind of a a, a deep lying eight, right? That that's good at you know sitting back and pinpointing those those passes. Uh, the other two are one's playing 30 minutes and one's not playing at all, and that's Jesus and and uh, and Paxson. And so I think that when we look at how FC Dallas has played, let's say let's go back last year when they were playing a 4-3-3, right? Um, the complaint was that uh, they would build up. However, there was never really any purpose to it, right? And that's because it takes somebody in that midfield, if you're going to build through the midfield, build through the midfield to make those runs, right? To point out those passes, whatever it is, right? To turn the ball around. And there's only a handful of people on this team that have uh, the aptitude to do that, right? And so, uh, yes, uh, I think you know, a lot of people would love to see the 4-3-3 come back. I, I don't know if it would necessarily, in this case, have made a significant difference in the outcome. I I think it might have in this case. Um, I don't know. I, you you did uh, bring up another interesting point um, with with Ricarte. Uh, he didn't start this match. They started Tessman and Acosta in the midfield. What Nico? What do you? What's your take on that? Um, like Jonathan was saying, Ricarte is better suited as that creative midfielder, right? And we saw in the Colorado match that just kind of with that two-man midfield, it's a little bit difficult, right? Um, he kind of has to take on a bit more defensive responsibilities. You got to maintain the integrity of whatever style or shape um, your two-man midfield does. So in that regard, um, Tessman kind of is a better fit uh, over Ricarte in that, um, that purpose. I mean, <laughs> Tanner the Tank, as they, as they say. Um, but uh, I think... It wasn't bad. Um, obviously, you could say every player could have done better, but I, I felt like Tessman did um, executed his role to the best of his abilities, given kind of the situation that FC Dallas was in. That's fair, Jonathan. You were surprised that 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 happened. Yeah, I, I I was surprised briefly, right? I mean, it, well, well, because because I. I expected it to be just a repeat of the of the prior match, but you know, as soon as you start to think about it, and then obviously, you know, looking back, um, you know, Nico's already pointed out what the um, what the tactics were offensively, right? And if your tactics offensively are to get the ball and then you know bypass the midfield, uh, you, you don't you you want to put your two midfielders, you you've already got lesser numbers, right? You're going to make sure those two people are defensively sound. If you're going to bypass them anyways, there's no point in putting Ricarte in there, right? So uh, I, I feel like it was 
it was it was the right choice for the tactics and the formation that FC Dallas is playing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the other the other interesting thing that happened was uh, Lucci actually made some subs uh, this match, as opposed to only two for the mat- first match. Um, I think I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I'm thinking of, I know at least um, right around the time of the third goal that he made it two subs at one time, um, bringing off Hedges and was it Testman, I think, for Paxton and Ricarte. Um, the the Hedges sub really um, surprised me in the moment. But looking back or listening back to the to the uh, press conference, sounds like Hedges had got his ankle rolled over in the match against Colorado, and so um, he'd been nursing an ankle injury the entire the entire week. Said it had been swollen up. So, I mean, it kind of makes you wonder why he pushed. Like, I mean, I guess he's a professional athlete and can push through it. I guess, but um, like, I guess that's the 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 reasoning for Hedges being taken off. The the one thing that I I also noticed with Hedge, Hedges coming off was the person who put the captain armband on, which uh, I think was to me a bit of a, a bit of a surprise. I don't know if you guys noticed. It was uh, Brisson was the was the captain? So I think that uh, uh, you know if, if if I would have guessed, I would have thought maybe Ryan, just knowing how vocal he is uh, with the team. I was I was I was a bit surprised, but I also think that that was a tilt of the hat to how well Brusson has been playing these first two matches um, and potentially, you know, Lucci kind of rewarding him for what he's seeing in the game and, and likely in practice, which might also be one of the reasons why we're seeing this three man back line is, you know, he wants to get Brisson on the field. So that was, I, I thought that was a quite interesting um, change from a, from an FC Dallas perspective to see the captain's armband. I think that's the first time on Brisson's arm. I can't think of another time. I think you're right. Um, and then, you know, l- later on, uh, we saw, you know, a couple of other changes. We saw Munjoma make his his debut um, and Ricardo Pepe. I think they both came on at the at the same time as well. And then obviously we skipped past the the, the Jimmy one. So uh, uh, Jimmy Jimmy was hurt and came off on the 61st minute uh, for, for Felipe. Nico, what did you think about Felipe's um performance there he came in cold and had to finish out the match did you think he did an okay job i think he met the did exactly what he was asked to and executed it really well um i mean it's great that he also played um in preseason also went through a penalty shootout so in terms of just building up confidence from preseason that's got to be really good uh in that regard but i think he did a really good job um plus uh you know, as the club has been plugging uh, with the Allison and Neymar thing, so you know, start up, start up the rumor mill in that regard. But um, you, he's definitely a quality player. I mean, there's a reason why FC Dallas brought him in. Um, it's not just to hey, we need backup goalkeeper. I mean, uh, no disrespect to Kyle Zobek. Kyle Zobek has also demonstrated that when he's um, asked to come in, he executed it extremely well. Um, and from that point of view, FC Dallas has been very fortunate in having quality uh, goalkeeper depth. Um, duh, I might be jumping ahead, but FC Dallas did also sign Richard Sanchez, a former academy goalkeeper, to North Texas SC. So, I mean, the, the, in terms of goalkeeping, FC Dallas is really fine. And um, 
I want to say uh, Philippe made three saves, but might have only gotten like officially recorded for one or two as well. So uh, great job to him. These the stats gods giveth and these stats gods taketh away. We we I think from a from a, from a substitute perspective too. The other thing that we've that we've seen is um, one. Uh, it, it seems that uh, you know. We've not seen Khalil or Dante come in yet, um, and with the number of substitutions that they made, I think they ended up, it, Lucci ended up making all five. Uh, so he didn't, you know, he, he didn't have an extra substitute that he just left off. But um, you know, when you see somebody like uh, Munjoma come on, uh, which is which is great, I mean, he actually played very well. I thought, um, you know, it's we're, you're you're starting to get an indication of the depth chart from a Lucci perspective, uh, but the the one that is that ring that rings out to me, and maybe I'm I'm reading too much into this, is that you know Cirillo also didn't didn't play. Now of course, FC Dallas is down three goals. A defensive midfielder yeah, trying to claw is that, that the point. kind of player you wanna you wanna play? Probably not. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna nah. read too much into that. Um, I think what's gonna be more interesting is that as we as we look forward to see um, how Lucci manages that rotation in the midfield and kind of you know where you know, who his who his next man up is, absolutely. And and to that point, like about reading too much into it. I mean, I yes, I'm I'm a little bit. I guess we'll call it critical um, or um, wanting to see more in in this. Uh, I also like I would would like to again reiterate. Two matches does not a season make, uh, so um, I'm I'm not panicking. Uh, I'm not Lucci out. I'm just thinking we could do something. Just different. just to add, you know, a little fuel on the fire, just a little chaos. Edwin did. De- Edwin did Uh-oh. play. You, as need, a you need to you need to calm down, Nico. <laughs> I need to calm down. As John Arnold's favorite <laughs> quote, <laughs> um, Edwin did play as a winger in the academy and kind of was transitioned into a six. Little fun fact. Interesting. Well, it's a good thing because FC Dallas needs more wingers, so it's a good thing he 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 could be like their ninth in the depth chart. (laughs) All right, so FC Dallas, uh, they their next match is against Portland. It's at home, May first at seven p.m. What do you think is going to happen against Portland in that match? Do you think Lucci goes and and makes some tinkers and make some changes or do you think he goes right back at it with what we saw either of the first two matches? He's it's four, three, three. So I, I would, I'll be very surprised if we see the, the three man back line. And I think that there's two reasons for that. Um, I think the primary reason is uh, hedges. I think that he's going to give hedges the week off. So I think it's going to be uh, Brisson and, and Martinez doing that, doing the center back pair. Um, and then, I, I I think we've started to see. It. I mean, you could bring um, you could bring Ryan Hollingshead in to play that middle center back. It's worked well in the past. It didn't work well in the past. I, I, I was I was like oh, that's not how I remember it, Dustin. But uh, yeah, no, <laughs> that that was my yes. Uh, so no, I I I I would expect it's going to be four four three three, and then uh, from from a midfield perspective, uh, I, I think it's. Probably uh, Tessman, Acosta, and, R- and Ricarte. 
So I don't, I don't think any, any of that is, is earth shattering. I don't know if, if either one of you disagree on the move back to four, three, three for this uh, upcoming match. I think a lot of eyes are definitely going to be on is Luigi going to play the four, three, three. I know last podcast I joked about a very old formation, but who knows might work. Um, but, um, the one, 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 <laughs> yeah, one, the seven. one, two, seven. Um, <laughs> but, um, what, what was I going to say? Champions League. Oh, Portland. Yeah, Portland will. Um, FC Dallas will be the middle game of Portland's three-game run. Uh, they have a midweek Champions League game, so be interesting, kind of, to see how Portland approaches FC Dallas game. Um, understandably, it's the beginning of the season, and Portland's in Champions League, and that's obviously a more high, high-caliber, more uh, high-risk, high-reward game for them. So, kind of, everything's kind of setting up nice for. A, a third game, everything's hopefully turns better in terms for FC Dallas. Well, it, yeah, it, it was, I was just going to say that with the with the Champions League or the Conca, the yeah Concacaf Champions League uh, going on, you you could see um, Portland come unchanged, and you could see them kind of resting some key figures for that match. It's really it's really tough what to did say. Peter what did Peter Vermees say? A disrespectful uh, lineup. <laughs> a disrespectful. I love it, it. Probably a lot of that's um, going to depend on how yeah. how they play because the, the first the first match they have is is in Portland. So uh, if yeah if they don't do well in that, uh, I will be rooting for them because I always root for the MLS teams. But if they don't do well in that first leg, then yeah, they would have they'd have nothing to lose, right? Going into the uh, you know going away for that second leg, right? So. They are playing Club America, uh, who's pretty it, it, good. Exactly, and that's why so, I was suggesting if you know, for example, if Portland <laughs> loses, you know, four one in the first in the first round at home, they're they're probably going to be less concerned about that second round. Um, just guessing, but the that it, it is an advantage potentially for FC Dallas to play Portland. You know, as they're back to back, these are professional clubs, though, right? I mean, it's it's a it's a Wednesday game, right? So. Wednesday, Saturday, it's not, it's not too crazy. Um, and then it just, one of the other things that I, one of the other reasons too, I think that it's going to be a, a three man midfield is just, you know, Portland's midfield is pretty stout. Right. And so, um, I think having that extra midfielder against Portland, it's, it's not, it's not about, honestly, it's not about Lucci being, uh, reactive to people and in, in pressure or whatever. I think it's, I just think it's the right play. I think that the three four three is a better lineup yeah. against. Sorry, the four three three is a better lineup against Portland, at least the way they traditionally line up. Yeah, and if they bring uh, Yumi Chara and actually play him in this match, then we'll you'll want Johnny Nelson in the back playing defensively and not trying to worry about going forward. So, all right, again, that is uh, Saturday, May 1st at 7 PM FC Dallas will hope to not be the meat in a roast beef sandwich. See what I did there? Cow beef, um, for, for Portland, um, Dallas burn. Oh, roast. I, I see. Oh, yeah, I love it. It worked, it worked out really well. Yeah. Look, look at that. It was a better, better joking analogy than I thought it was. Um, but we, there was, a bright spot to the entire weekend. Um, we, we thought it was going to be a, yet another um, downer as North Texas SC faced the Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale Strikers. No. CF. Strikers? 
as as North Texas SC went down uh, 1-0 early against Inter-Miami 2 or whatever they're calling themselves, um, Fort Lauderdale somebody's, uh, and but they were able to to claw their, their way back and, in fact, turn that around and have a happy, happy uh, Saturday evening. Nico, you were there, right? I was. Tell us about it. It was, it was a great. home it was, opener. It was home opener, nice and cloudy. Not a... Um, no rain or anything. Weather perspective, it looked great. No, but in uh, all seriousness, two things for uh, FC Dallas fans to take away from that game. Um, one is it was a win and a very good win. And second of all, they played a 4-3-3. Uh, still harping on that formation. But um, the... I think we're going to entitle this episode 4-3-3. But um, uh, um, the, the FC... FC Dallas, North Texas SC did go down twice, right? Um, but it never felt like that they were out of the game. Um, and that was kind of in an improvement in terms of just the overall feel of the team from last season is that, and something that Eric Quill highlighted after the match is that these these uh, young professionals really wanted it. They really fought back. There was a a good mentality amongst the, the team to be able to come back and um, uh, get the result. And... Um, uh yeah, Eric Quill was really happy about it. Um, a very, a very intense and an emotional uh, manager. So it always makes for fun watching not not just on the field but also off the field. Um, he also switched up his game day attire, so that was also interesting. Um, featuring the powder blue. Eric Quill, so if you're listening, sticking... beware. Nico's watching you off the field. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I see, anytime Eric Quill sees me, he's like, oh man. <laughs> But um, it was over overall. Does he really know that you? Match. Does he know that you call him an an intense individual? I I think he's built a reputation like that from me. Next club, time we talk to him, we're gonna league. be like, "Did you know Nico says this about you?" And we'll see we'll see how how on his good list you are. <laughs> I will say, after a loss, it's much better doing the interviews from a Zoom call rather than in person. No spittle. Yeah, there's um, a little less getting. Cr- yeah, it's good. It's good. We gotta we so, gotta stay safe during the pandemic. Is what I'm. That's right. That. I guess I guess they're mad. Like spittle's not a thing anymore with masks, is it? That's kind of a shame because it kind of had like gave gave conversations a little bit of a poignant edge. But anyways, uh, speaking of poignant edge, uh, Thibaut, uh, what's his name? Tibu Jacques. I asked him Thib- after the game, and he yeah. <laughs> he was very kind about it. He was like, "Oh man, I've heard everything since coming here." <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about to go really rogue with with that last name. Thank you for correcting me. But like, so he had a, a at least what at least one goal in that game, right? How many goals did he end up? Two, with? two goals, two. two really good goals. First one, uh, a volley, and then the second one, a free kick. My my goodness, what a well, what a well. Uh, Two two great goals, and there was some uh, joking on um, Twitter that the extra international spot is actually for Tibu. So, <laughs> Tibu. take that how you want. Tibu. All right, yeah. Um, Jonathan, did you catch any of that game? I caught about the first twenty minutes, and then I was like, "Oh, they're they're down one zero. I'm out. I've already watched one of these today." So, so, like so, so I went out. I went out and hung out with uh, with Nico for a while, watching uh, some U uh, sixteens play in the super group. On it, FCD red versus That's FCD right. gray. Go FCD gray, three zero. I think. <laughs> yep, oh, 
That's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> any any more thoughts about North Texas before we uh, close out here? Um, just you know, you always got to plug that the fact that hey, definitely go watch them. Uh, exciting team, but more so this year, it kind of seems like they've regained some sort of swagger that they had in that first season, and they have a an extensive squad this time. There's um, it's familiar. They they've signed quite a number of players. A lot of exciting um. Uh, in terms of the youth international side, a, a lot of exciting players on that regard, not just because they're youth internationals, but also they, they've been on the radar of other teams as well. So that's exciting. They got a, a depth, um, a deep squad. In, so that was kind of something yeah. they struggled with a little bit in 2020s that might have hindered some of their successes. But now they have a deep squad. They're looking to kind of be a little bit more self-sufficient in that regard. So a lot of, a lot of exciting players. Definitely seems like they turned things around. Uh, after kind of like that initial shock of, oh, we can't use our FCD players. Oh, boop. <laughs> what are we going to do? Uh, and now now that is uh, definitely turned around. So, all right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We are online at DallasSoccerShow.com and also at TheStrikerTexas.com. Uh, for Nico Mendez, Jonathan Roz, I'm Dustin Nation. Thanks so much for listening.